it's like, okay, I need community in order to make this practice happen. Like I can't be my own client, you know? So being able to cultivate community online was essential for my start in 2020. And thankfully, social media gave me the space to make that happen. You're listening to Chats with Kat, where I catch up with my fellow millennials every week to share their journey of self-actualization, overcoming fear, and paving the way for a soul's purpose to shine through. Let's start that right here, right now. Hello, beautiful beings. Welcome back to another episode of Chats with Kat. Thank you so much for being here. I skipped last week to catch up on some interviews, but we are now back with yet another amazing guest. And that guest is none other than Sierra Britton. Sierra is a curator and art dealer living and working in New York City. And as the director of the Sierra Britton Gallery, her mission is to make space for artists who are creating exploratory work across all mediums. Before we dive into this chat, I just want to remind you that in addition to this podcast, I curate a bi-weekly wellness newsletter called Eleven, where I share 11 wellness-related musings that I came across over the past two weeks, and I write some light reflections on life lessons that I am integrating. It is totally free, and you can subscribe by clicking the link in the show notes. In addition to that, if at any point during this episode you feel moved or inspired, please take a moment to rate and review this show. It would mean a lot to me and will help me bring on more inspiring folks like Sierra. All right, let's do this. Let's jump into my inspiring chat with Sierra Britton. Hi, Sierra. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Of course. As we were talking about before we press record, this is a very full circle moment for us. We've known each other for how many years now? Like... Probably like four or five. Yeah, like four or five years. And you have always been such a bright light since I've met you. You were always just somebody that lit up a room. And I met you during a time where you were still chasing after this idea that you had in your mind. You were in school and you were like, yeah, when I get out of school, I'm going to do this thing. And now you're doing it. And throughout this conversation, I want to talk about what it is exactly that you're doing and how you're how you're doing it, how you're self-preserving, how you're maintaining balance, how you are coming to terms with new ideas and how you're executing on those ideas without burning out. And of course, just understanding how it's been for you over the past few years during this time in reality that's been so chaotic and unpredictable. Mm -hmm, Truly. Yeah, I love how we are able to flourish even through madness because this time we're in these last few years have absolutely brought a lot of madness on so many levels. For me, I'm like, okay, well, am I just going to fully put myself on pause on every level or am I going to like be a little delusional and keep going after this dream of owning a gallery, um, being an art dealer, working with artists that I adore, but also artists that are underrepresented, i.e. Black artists, women artists, queer artists, women of color artists. And yeah, it it definitely has just been such an insane and magical journey over these last few years. So I'm excited to talk more about it. And thank you for being so supportive all these years. 
even back in the day when I was still an undergrad student and was trying to find my footing, didn't even have a full-time job at the, at the time, but like you still gave me so much support and encouragement. And I really appreciate you saying that. So thank you. I've always seen the vision and especially because you always talked about it with so much passion that I believed it. And I think even in reflecting in my own journey, those people who didn't make me feel crazy, even though I was talking about something that I didn't have proof of, are the people that I cherish the most in my life because without their support, those little moments of those little conversations and those little nudges, I don't know if I would have necessarily like fully gone for it because yes, delusion is necessary. And like a lot of delusion has been a part of the still, but you know, oftentimes folks are, are so logistical and are just like, well, how and where, and they want the tangible proof. And it's like, it's, it's happening. It's right now, but like, I'm still in the early stages. Just give me some time. And so I always, always, always wanted to make sure I was one of those people in your corner because I saw it clearly. It's manifested and it's a tangible thing now. It's not surprising to me. It's not because I knew you were always going to do it, but it is still very beautiful to be like, ah, here it is. This is what it's presenting like. And now I can see it with my own eyes, literally because of the work that you do. So <laughs> thank you. So before we, we kick off this chat, I want to just check in and, and see how you're doing and how you're feeling at this very moment. And explore what emotional, spiritual, or physical themes have been coming up for you lately. Ooh, I, right now in this moment, <laughs> I would say I feel good. I feel excited. I have a lot of things going on in my world right now. One announcement I just made yesterday was that I am co-curating AMREF Art Ball, which is an annual art gala fundraiser for AMREF Health Africa. And I brought eight amazing Black artists to be a part of the benefit auction. And they're all really talented. I'm happy to be co-curating with three other amazing and talented curators. So, you know, that's my my first large event for the year. And it's being received really well. And I'm very thankful. And I also have something I'm announcing tomorrow. <laughs> and I'm just feeling a lot of excitement. Like for me... And I, it, this might be a little toxic, but when I don't have things going on, I feel really bad. So when I have a lot of things going on, I feel really, really good. And I don't know if it's like a focus thing or just like an anticipation thing that like I, I really strive off of passion and my passion is linked with the arts. So when I'm able to do anything with the arts, it really fills my heart, especially when I'm able to do something that benefits my community. Um, so in that sense, I'm feeling really good. I'm being very mindful about burnout um, because last year I was burnt out like the majority of the year. And since I own a business, it's like I have no space to be burnt out. People are still expecting for me to run this business I still have to run this business so burnt out or not I still have to like show up and be like hey how are you thanks for coming to Sierra Britain Gallery let me know if you have any questions or need anything like even when I'm mentally and physically and spiritually on like eight percent battery and that was not fun um and balance is my keyword for this year I'm refining my day-to-day -day schedule and my regimen and my routine in a way that 
I'm prioritizing myself as much as I'm prioritizing work. And today was absolutely one of those days. I woke up and was like, let me take my time this morning. Let me, you know, get myself together um, so that I'm not out here just like fully burnt out at 26 years old. That's yeah. not okay. Yeah. So yeah, I'm feeling positive and I'm feeling like I'm moving in a very intentional way this year moving forward. Like I want this to be my new normal balance is the key. And I have to hold myself accountable to that because as a Virgo, I'm like, I'll put myself on the back burner so quick for work. And that's really not okay. It's not healthy. It's not sexy. And yeah, I don't plan on <laughs> having any of those toxic practices in my regimen anymore. So yeah. I love that for you because we need you in this for the long haul, right? We want, yeah. I want you and everybody who's looking to you for guidance and for inspiration wants you to be doing everything that you're doing from a place of sustainability, because there's a lot of work. There's a lot of our, there's a, there are a lot of people that need space and you are continuously carving that out for them. And if you're burnt out, then, then it all stops. It, like exactly like you can't do the work if you're not there to do it so exactly you know thank you um it's it's definitely a something I'm still trying to normalize because I'm like my brain sometimes can be like go 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 get this done check this off your list and like get just very overwhelmed by that and it has made me have practices like I'm gonna wake up I see I have this many emails I'm now going to read them on my phone while I'm still in the bed waking up. I'm going to make a coffee. That will be my breakfast. I'm going to tend to the things I need to do for today. All of a sudden it's four o'clock and I haven't eaten any food. I haven't drinking enough water. Like, um, it's, <laughs> it's really not good, but unfortunately sometimes our culture normalizes that it's like the whole rise and grind thing. And it's not sustainable at all. It is really not sustainable. We have to take care of ourselves. We are human beings. Yeah. Um, and we are living in our bodies. We need to take care of those bodies in order to do what we're passionate about. So, Exactly. I've been starting to look at my body like a plant. Like I'm just trying to look at it like a plant. Like, have I gotten sunshine today? Have I had water? Have I been nourished? Have I spoken kindly to myself? And I say that because my grandma swears by talking to plants. And so just looking at ourselves in such a simple form makes it less complicated, like how to just tend to the body. So I appreciate you saying that. And anybody who pushes you or urges you to stray away from that is truly not in alignment. I always say that. So, And I'm yeah. sure you have people in your life who are encouraging you to embody these healthy habits and approach this all from a sustainable perspective. Because yeah, like I said, everybody wants you to be in this for the long haul. And so we want to see you thriving across the board holistically, not just with your career, but also like with your own self. And so sure. I'm glad that you know that now, especially because you are 26 and you have a long, a long life ahead of you. It's something to know now, not yeah. later, once you are forced to, to sit your ass down because you didn't heed to the warnings, right? You're so right. No, truly. Thank you. And I appreciate you saying the holistic factor because that's 100% part of my new regimen. Um, and it's helping a lot. I'm taking ashwagandha. I'm drinking more water, more lemon water specifically. It's very refreshing. Like I, I mean, 
everybody has lemon water from time to time, but now I'm being more intentional about it as far as like incorporating the citrus and it, it feels good. It's just, it's just little things, you know, that are within my reach. Mm-hmm. It really yeah. is. Those things compound, like those little habits, those little additional, like, I don't know, just like sprucing things up. Like you could drink water, you can drink lemon water. Why not go for the lemon water? Why not go for yeah. the cucumber water? Like it elevates life a little bit more. And when you add all that shit together, it's just like, yeah, you're on another level. <laughs> yeah. So throughout the season, I'm invested in exploring the ways in which community leaders have been self-preserving despite all of the chaos that has presented itself over the past few years. With that being said, I want to dive into how you've been taking care of yourself and all of the wisdom that you have cultivated. But before that, I want to hear about what your inner world has been like since 2020. What has it been like to be you? And I'm also curious about the generational element to this. Like, I also want to know what it was like to be you and what the conversations were like with your with your homies, with your people, with the people your age, because you're 26. And I also definitely feel like y'all are the next generation. And I really do feel like folks in their 20s are just doing shit differently. And I'm always curious to know what the conversations were like in those personal spaces and what realizations y'all came to collectively. Yeah, I very much had a lot of those conversations with friends because in 2020, so my real entrepreneurship journey started in November, 2019. After I quit my last job, they were racially discriminating against me. And I had, it was like a, in the moment, as soon as that call happened and they said what they said to me, it was just a lot of coded language, pretty much saying that they were not going to promote me to a role that I was pretty much already doing just for less money. Um, because they didn't think that I could be my full authentic self in a corporate space and a white woman told me this and like I have been working here part-time for two years it was my first job out of college and you know it was a gut punch and at that moment I'm like I really can't continue to work here if I actually respect myself I cannot stay here. But at the same time, I have no other interviews lined up. I haven't been applying to other jobs because I didn't see this coming. I have no backup plan. So what am I about to do right now? <laughs> because as a black girl, we grow up here and like, you got to keep a job. Like, don't, don't be in no limbo space. Don't, you know, always make sure you keep a backup plan B, plan C. And I'm like, I don't have that right now, but at the same time, I can't thug it out just because I'm, I need this bi-weekly check. <laughs> like these people don't respect me. And I, yeah. it would be a shame if I were to continue showing up here, doing my very best with knowing this information. So I quit nothing lined up and I, I started applying to different jobs and I had one interview um, callback and it was at this really depressing office cubicle space that had no windows. Okay. It was very, just like the air just felt recycled. It, it was not giving an, I'm looking at myself like, this is not you. This is not a space that you're going to do a good job in. I can't flourish in this. 
There's nothing creative about it at all. I don't even know what these people are talking about. So I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to apply for another job. I'm going to try to do this art thing. And I, I made a website. I started promoting myself on Instagram saying, hey, y'all are trying to build an art collection. Or did you just move into a new apartment? You need to fill up your empty walls. Call me. And of course, a few months later, I was scared every day, especially being in New York and we were the epicenter. The conversations that everyone was having was just, I'm afraid to go outside because I'm going to get COVID and the worst is going to happen. And like, I wasn't thinking at all about any entrepreneur journey. I'm just like, are we all, is this the end? Like, is this the end of the world? Are we, um, the news, it was just so, it was such a scary time. So my conversations were really about how are y'all taking care of yourselves? And unfortunately, a lot of us were not taking care of ourselves in the healthiest ways. Like people were drinking more. People were disassociating through like binging a whole bunch of shows and TV. Of course, we were like FaceTiming each other, but no one had any in-person encounters. And that definitely changes things when it comes to how you're interfacing with others. And yeah, it was a lot of conversation around fear, you know, what our fear looks like and how we're running away from our fears because everybody was running away from their fears during the beginning of the pandemic. But of course, as time went by, there seemed to be a glimmer of light as far as the support for small businesses, Black-owned businesses that were like struggling to sustain their business because so many businesses had to close down. People started fundraising online. People switched their programming to virtual um, and for me, I was already working on a freelance basis at that point, but I couldn't take anyone to an exhibit anymore. I couldn't do a studio visit with an artist anymore. So I really took a lot of time just vision boarding and like, it was also a way to disassociate, I will say. I'm like, let me leave this reality and go into the one I want to go into. So let me make a vision board about what my hopes and dreams are, my wildest hopes and dreams. I'm like... I want to make this much per year. I want to have this many clients. I want to work with this many artists. I want to, you know, be in a space where I can really like be an art advisor. That was, I was, I wanted to curate and I wanted to have a gallery, but I didn't see it as a possibility at all in 2020. So I'm like, this is the the steps I need to take to get to that place later in life. And I saw a lot of support for young entrepreneurs specifically online that were just figuring out a way to make it virtually. Um, there were businesses that supported me like Ethel's Club, ran by Naj Austin, and we connected online. She hit me up or her team hit me up about, oh, you should lead a Zoom discussion about navigating a creative career during COVID or like have a conversation about that with other creatives like artists, you know, writers, curators, every level of the creative world. And I started doing more and more programming online in that way. And it really was like a snowball effect. And that's what happens. I'm learning when you put yourself out there, you really never know how many people are going to be like, wow, this is resonating with me. Let me make this connection with you. And like, if I didn't put myself out there on Instagram, like, hey, y'all, I do this. So if you need this, hit me up. No one would have known. And things would not have progressed in the ways that they did. So I'm very thankful to having access to the internet. Like the internet really was a huge saving grace for so many people in the pandemic 
pandemic, even outside of business, like you're not even able to see your family. You have to FaceTime them. And like, hopefully you have FaceTime. Hopefully, you know, if you have elderly family, they're not really going to know how to navigate that. So it, it really, it was a challenging thing, but we figured out a way to flip it into something that could benefit us on every level during a time where we couldn't leave the house. Um, and we were just scared to even be around others. So it was, it was a still a sense of community being built online and community really is the nucleus of my life, not just my practice. Like I come from a large family. I, everybody in my neighborhood knows each other. Like I'm from Baltimore. So it's a small town in a way. And a lot of us know each other and that community sense when someone does something good, everybody is happy for them. Everybody's showing love. Everybody is sending flowers, hopefully. <laughs> so it's like, okay, I need community in order to make this practice happen. Like I can't be my own client, you know? So being able to cultivate community online was essential for my start in 2020. And thankfully, social media gave me the space to make that happen. I remember that. I remember that moment in time when I was like, Sierra's really out here. I remember seeing you all the time and I was I was really happy. I was like, she's in her bag. She's in her pocket. And you you took up space in the way that you needed to. And and it resonated because I literally remember coming across your captions in my feed. I mean, like, yep promote yourself, girl. In my mind, I was like, I wish I could contact her for something. But at the time I was in such chaos that I was like, oh, maybe if I was a bit more stable. But when the time comes and I got my own spot, I'm gonna hit you up because I already know what you'll curate would be amazing. Absolutely Yay! amazing. Just know that. Thank you. That means of, a lot. Of course, girl. So you beautifully center Black women and women of color and queer folks in your shows and everything that you curate. Can you take us on the journey of how you choose the stories that you want to highlight and the themes you commit to amplifying? And is there a through line or a personal mission that guides everything? Yes. So with how I conceptualize my exhibits, I'm a nerd at heart, meaning I've always been into science fiction. When I was a kid, like elementary school, I would watch Twilight Zone with my uncle and like the cartoons I would watch would be like Courage the Cowardly Dog, like the weird stuff. Like I loved, I, to this day, I love anything science fiction, anything that is like leaving our world and tapping into others. And for me as a curator, one of the components to curatorial work is world building. You're building the world that is for this exhibit. This exhibit is now a world. And so what make sense in this world. It could be, for example, my second exhibit at Sierra Britton Gallery was called I Saw Things I Imagined, and it was inspired by the Solange song, one of my favorite songs. But I am obsessed with that album. That song is one of my favorite songs, and she's just singing I Saw Things I Imagined over and over and over again. But thinking about, okay, the imagination space is a world. That's a world. And when we were kids, we were taught imagination is like invisible. It's like, oh, your imaginary friend can't see it. <laughs> or, oh, you just imagine that. Oh, you're making it up. It's like, it almost invalidates imagination. It's like, you're making, it's not real. 
Yeah. Like it's not a physical thing. Therefore your imagination isn't real, isn't valid. But when I think about imagination, I think that that's another plane that is existing within us and everybody else. Everyone has a different imagination. Every single person has their own unique imagination space. And I was thinking about what it would look like for a space, a physical space that people could go inside of to come into a curated imagined space. I imagined Sierra Britton Gallery. These artists that were featured in this show made work based from dreams, visions, and memories. And those are also their own worlds. Like the dream world is a world. <laughs> the memory world, you know, and to put those, put experiences from those different spaces onto a physical artwork and allow people to be able to experience that I thought was a very transformative way to experience art. And that show was very spiritual. A lot of works were speaking about spirituality, water, dreaming, ancestry, angels, code switching, assimilation, meditation. These two works actually were in Amy Amalia is one of the artists that I work with and she made a new series of works that are spiral paintings and she wanted to depict what it would look like for someone to go inward but from them looking from their body onto the painting like what would going inward look like Fascinating. so it was really it was really cool to be able to have a space to do that I have a lot of ideas and they don't always relate to each other. Like that show was specifically to build that world, to build that imagined space for other people to come in and dialogue with each other around that. Um, but I'm inspired by so much. Like for me, music is a huge inspiration. Reading amazing writing by authors and writers that I love and respect, like Bell Hooks, Adrian Piper. Um, like it, it, there's so many inspirations out there and it could be anything it could be walking down the street and overhearing someone's conversation that could inspire a full-blown exhibit it could be watching a movie it could be a memory you had from the fifth grade <laughs> it, it literally the the limit does not exist when it comes to storytelling and that's what curatorial practice is for me I do have a mission led business so my curatorial practice always centers women of color artists because women of color artists are the most underrepresented artists in the arts ecosystem on every level when it comes to museum acquisitions when it comes to who galleries exhibit when it comes to which artists get awards which artists are featured in you know monumental things like the venice biennale like you don't always see women of color in those spaces and it's it, it creates a notion that they don't exist, but they do. They're just overlooked because the art world has been a boys club for a very long time. And it's always about the art at the end of the day for curatorial practice. And with my mission, it's like the art matches the intention of the exhibits. 
it's a plus that the works were made by women of color. And many times the works tell their stories about what it is to be a woman of color, but sometimes they don't have anything to do with that. And it, there's a lot of duality and levels and layering to that. And I think that's really special. So all of my exhibits are different in their own ways, but these women artists are able to bring in these visual storytellings that match the concept of these shows and the goal is not only to represent these artists and show people that they exist and that they're talented and to see their work, but also to create a dialogue for people to come in and experience it together. I don't think that art would be as powerful if no one talked about it. That's that's the beauty of any form of art, even if it's not visual art. Any art, if it creates a conversation and cultivates a dialogue between people that can help move us forward into a progressive space, that's the best kind of art, in my opinion, versus, Absolutely. oh, that looks pretty on the wall. Absolutely. Yeah. There are so many stories that haven't been told. There are so many people that um, have been overlooked, like you're saying. And so this work is like, it's never ending. There's like an endless amount of stories that um, need to be uncovered. And the way that we express those stories or those feelings vary. And for the folks that create visual art, for that to not be seen is so sad. And those conversations that those pieces will start, not only just for just from a, a place of catharsis for the artist, that's one that's one level because people make art for themselves first. But then what it is for the world, for that to not be seen is truly it, it's it's a it's a maddening idea because it's like when I think about what the world needs more of, it's art. It really is mm -hmm. art, you know? Yeah. And so I really love the way that you're expressing all of that because that's what it all is. It's like interconnected, it's intertwined, it's self, it's also collective, it's visual, but it's also internal. It's so many things. So I really love that this is the space that you are in and that these are the, the kinds of experiences that you are offering the rest of us because I think it's the antidote to a lot of, I don't know, I guess the dystopian element of what it's like to exist right now. It's like devoid of color, it's devoid of story, it's devoid of art, it's devoid of history. And everything that you're doing is adding that back into the story in the story of like all of us and to the collective story, you know? So yeah. I appreciate you girl. So uh, what lessons do you think that you have learned over the past two years that stand out to you, particularly the lessons that were unexpected? I've learned a lot of lessons, like a copious amount of lessons. And it's really been a lot of trial and error for me these last two years. One lesson is that I don't have to, and I'm not going to please everybody. Um, I've had like this fear of people not being pleased with my work and what I'm doing and me looking at the value of my work, depending on if people are pleased, but you really can't please everyone. And with this being a historical gallery, exclusively representing women of color artists, this is a radical act and that causes disruption and everybody is not going to be pleased. Everybody doesn't like the concept of my gallery. A lot of people told me it was a bad idea. Um, people told me I really should not only focus on women artists because women artists don't sell. Um, people told me, I did think, yeah, people were like, some women were giving me this feedback. They were like, this is not a good idea. And you're not going to make the money you could be making if you were ex exhibiting male artists. So what? Mm -hmm. Oh my God. And like, at a point I was 
at a very short point, I was definitely questioning myself like, oh my God, am I doing too much? Like, is this actually not a good idea? But I actually had a conversation last night with the founder of 10 to 1 Rum and I told him this feedback too. And he was like, every good entrepreneur that has a good business has been told it's a bad idea. If someone tells you that your business idea is a bad idea, that means great, let's do it. It's a bad idea. Great. Let's do it. Let's let's do this thing. And I loved hearing that because I feel like as a young entrepreneur, you can take a lot of things personally, but when you start talking to other business owners, they're like, oh no, I went through that too. And you're like, oh, so this was not like an attack on me. Like this this is something that people go through. Okay, good to know. Um, And, you know, I've had to heal from the people pleasing mindset because that is definitely a trauma response. Um, Oh, I don't want anybody to be mad at me. I don't want anybody to not like me because of what I said. Like I've fully shed that layer of me. It's in the past. And I'm glad because now I can just operate from a place of authenticity versus making everybody happy. <laughs> um, and we need you to be your authentic self. That's where all of the, the magic comes from. Like you people pleasing exactly. is already you not being yourself and you cannot alchemize from that. 100%, 100%. And I'm very thankful that I learned that early on. Um, another thing that I've learned is equality is everything in my relationships and I'm in a business where relationships really is like the most important thing in your model you can work with artists all day but what's the relationship look like are y'all building a long-term relationship is this like a hey produce this I'm gonna show it and then I'll sell it and never talk to you again um it, it has to be equality in the relationship. So for example, I really always want to meet people in a way where I put myself in their shoes. I talk to people a certain way, especially when I get to know different personalities, I'll know, okay, I can talk to so-and-so this way. This is what's most effective for them, but I need to talk differently to so-and-so. I'm a very considerate person in that way. I expect consideration for me as well. And there have been times in the past, of course, like, again, people pleasing, where I've given a lot of the benefit of the doubt and have let people use my kindness and my consideration and just like abuse it um, and not have that same energy for me in return. And that contributed to my burnout as well. Like I was just willingly taking care of a lot of folks just because it was out of the kindness of my heart. But like, when I was down and needed some support, some of those people weren't there. Um, And, you know, again, like this is really a blessing to be learning this at this age. I'm very, very thankful that I can learn this before I go into my thirties where I'll be even more refined by that point. But yeah, it is definitely trial and error is something that I'm thankful to have. I'm, my heart is always open no matter what. And that's how I build my relationships in general. Like the way we met, my heart was open. You're a light as well. And your light shines bright. And like, I don't feel the need to go up to everybody and get to know them. But there's certain people that I just am like, oh my God, I love your spirit. Like it's radiating off of you. You're definitely one of those people. And so my heart is open to learning 
where I want to be, you know, like no matter what, I'm never going to let anything discourage me in a way where I'm closed off to the world and I'm cold and I'm not open to receiving things because I have trust issues. Like that is such a cop out and it will rob me of a real life experience. So I'm here for all of it. And I will move accordingly after I can gauge where things are going with people. And that's been a a real blessing. Another thing is asking for help. I've definitely practiced that more in the last two years than ever before. Um, I used to feel ashamed about asking for help. (laughs) I don't know why. I, I just always would be like people got their own stuff going on don't nobody got time to be worrying about me I don't want to be a burden like I don't want I don't want to be inconsiderate I have no idea what kind of day this person had what kind of year this person had I don't want to bother them with my little pesky problems that I can figure out on my own somehow but that led to burnout too like being the person that just takes it all on like bag lady like just putting more and more stuff in my tote bag it's it's like the tote bag is 200 pounds at this point and I'm dragging it down the street <laughs> and it's very draining and doing that every day is very draining so of course with my burnout I definitely know that my loved ones could see that I was being burnt out as well and people were like, what can I take off of your plate? I am literally offering that I'm here for you in whatever way. How can I help you? Just let me know. And I'm like, really? Like, are you sure? I'm sorry. And they're like, why are you apologizing? I just offered you my help. Just take it. That's some hardcore advice I've heard from loved ones being like, if somebody offers you help, take it. You don't need to over explain things. You don't need to apologize. Like, someone's offering you help. Why can't you just say yes and let it be? It's a simple yes. And that it was like blew my mind. Um, And I've been asking for help. I have been vulnerable and open with my community being like, hey, y'all, even with the fundraiser for the gallery, I was like, listen, this is something I want to do. This is something I know I need and this community needs, this city needs. And if you can, I would love if you could contribute a donation, no matter how much it is going to help me make this history, not just for me and these artists, but for our community. And the community showed up and we raised a lot of money and it was just a testimony of this is what happens when you ask for help. If I never asked for help, who knows if I would have been owning a gallery at this point I probably I mean I don't know where I would be if I didn't ask for help at this point so yeah huge lesson for me huge and that's something that you will take for the rest of your life and every room that you enter and also like when people offer it or when people are like oh let me know if you need help it's like actually I will let you know if, if I need help and you will be receiving an email next week thank you so much you know it's Literally. there's no shame in it and like you yeah. were saying community is and is the nucleus of of everything that you do and it's like yeah at some point there has to be a shift out of being just of service and understanding mm-hmm. that part of that duality is also receiving. And believe it or not, this has been a through line in all the interviews that I've done this season. Everybody had some kind of epiphany around receiving help. And yes. I know that there's some there's something there about what it's like to come up as a woman and especially as a black woman. And there's like this toughness that we are expected to have because the world is our, you know, like the world is is going to be so harsh. And so I think we're prepped to just kind of do things on our own. And I'm hoping that 
as we continue to evolve and as we continue to deconstruct and challenge a lot of these norms, that is one of them because like that is just not sustainable and that's not how we survive. <laughs> like it's just, yeah. you cannot continue to exist in that way. None of us can, not on an individual level and not on a collective level. Um, and you know, it's just uh, Octavia Butler just kind of really definitely planted that seed in my mind when I read her book, but it really is something that I'm glad a lot of us are are coming to realize collectively because yeah, that's just part of the nature of this work. If you want to be serving others, you have to let go of that blockage. And there is a, there's a shame or an embarrassment or something there that we were told that we need to have. And that was all an illusion. Like it was all an illusion. Um, so I'm glad that that was one of the, the big lessons you learned because that's going to not only help you feel better throughout your journey, but it's just going to make you a more successful person. Thank you. <laughs> you know? No, I appreciate you saying that. And it's like definitely a collective experience between Black women of us feeling like we can't ask for help because we have been conditioned that that's a bad thing and that we, if we are not lazy and we're hardworking, we can just, you know, pull up our yeah. bootstraps and figure it out ourselves. Like everybody, it's really toxic. Um, okay. it's It's really toxic and it's not helping us in any way. So it's mm -hmm. amazing that we can collectively have an awakening and break yeah. that cycle and yeah. move into a space where we're actually utilizing our resources and asking for the help we need because it really can change our lives and has changed my life for the better. Amazing. I totally agree with that. So I got one last question for you. And it is, if you could share any advice with leaders in the art space, particularly Black women and women of color who want to amplify meaningful messages and create opportunities for intentional representation, what would it be? Collaboration is key. We are minorities and we need to lean on each other for support when it makes sense. Of course, everybody doesn't need to collaborate. <laughs> like when it makes sense and when it really aligns and you'll know when something aligns because you feel it energetically, feel it in your body and in your spirit, align yourself with like-minded individuals that you can collaborate with, whether that means someone, you know, brainstorming with you to come up with ideas, whether that means someone you actually work with in your business, whether that means asking for help, that's collaborating as well. It doesn't matter what it is. There's collaboration is like such a key factor for me, especially as a small business. I'm not able to do this whole model on my own at this point because I'm so early. I, I don't have the funding. I don't have the experience yet to do this by myself. So I'm tapping on to like-minded creatives that align with me, align with my mission, align with what I'm trying to do and the change that I'm trying to make and we're working together and killing it and it's it's beautiful everybody can win it doesn't need to be a competition I think that unless you're in sports or politics there's no competition you're in your own lane no matter what like you're if you're making work from a authentic place that's all you should worry about there's no competition and it doesn't need to feel that way. It doesn't need to be, oh, 
I need to hoard all the winning so no one else can win except for me. That is a horrible practice to have. And it will be very short-lived. The people that sustain for the longest are the people that share the wealth, the people that collaborate, and the people that give back. So that's a huge piece of advice that I would definitely advise for the community. I love that. That was a bar. (laughs) (laughs) On that note, thank you, Sierra, for being here with us. Thank you for, for sharing all of your wisdom. And I hope that anybody listening that hasn't come across your work runs to your page and checks out everything that you've been up to. And of course, if you're in New York, please keep a tab on what Sierra is doing and show up to her shows because although I haven't been to one, I have felt the energy through the internet and it's exuding some really, really powerful stuff. So go to any of Sierra's shows to be transformed is what I would definitely say. Thank you so much. I really appreciate this. Talking to you is so refreshing and I'm so thankful to have your support as you've seen my journey just grow and grow over the years and it, it means a lot. So thank you. I hope you enjoyed. Please go check out Sierra's work and catch up on all of the great shows that she has been putting out into the world. If you want to follow along Sierra's journey on the internet, head over to the show notes where I have linked all of her platforms. Thanks for choosing to spend time with us. I appreciate you and I will talk to you next week. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode of Chats with Kat. I really hope you enjoyed it. It would be such a treat to know your thoughts about the show. So if you can spare 60 seconds, rate and review this podcast so I can know what's on your heart. Plus, it'll also help new potential listeners get a glimpse into the energy of the beautiful community that we are building over here.